3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All
4: right. Welcome to my guys in the desert on a Monday. It's... Kickoff week for the NFL season. Matt Eumanns, JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, and who's going to join us today? But the one and only Brent Musburger here in about five minutes to kick off our final week on My Guys in the Desert. What I think last week of My Guys Tomorrow in the Desert. As we know, well, yeah. what's happening next I think week? You and I might have a different show next week. We'll find out later. But uh, it's always great to have Brent on My Guys, and we're going to talk college football and the NFL with him and uh, JVT. The dogs are barking. In college football, were you a dog player this week? Uh, Yeah, a couple.
5: couple, You know, I played a total in there, and Nevada was the biggest dog uh, for me. And actually, right, a wolf, kind of like a dog type thing. So, yes, the dogs, (laughs) the dogs were barking for me. uh, But the biggest and best dog for me was going to be the Nevada Wolf Pack.
4: Didn't work. My ringtone.
5: No, oh, we had a bit. It didn't work. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've got a barking dog's ringtone on my cell phone, but the, the cell phone is malfunctioning. Hey, the um, Nevada Wolfpack came through big for me Saturday night as well, but how about last night? If if you bet the Florida State-Notre Dame game, you were sweating that out either way. The dog cashed uh, Florida State plus seven or seven and a half and almost won the game outright. Notre Dame blew an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter up 38-20. to 20. And uh, Mackenzie Milton enters, almost pulls off the uh, miracle, and brings the Seminoles back uh, to the win. But they lose in overtime, forty-one to thirty-eight. And JVT, this is one of those classic games where it's better sometimes you can get in a little bit too deep. All right, and. Uh, <laughs> What happened with me is I had Florida State plus seven and a half, and I had Notre Dame on a couple money line parlays. Nice. And I watched the first few series of the game and said, you know what, uh, there's, no, there's no way Florida State's going to win this game. They're comically bad offensively, yep. so I was making some wide bets on uh, Notre Dame on the money line. And then when Notre Dame fell behind, I bet more on Notre Dame on the money line, and then really had to sweat it out at the end when it looked like Florida State was going to win the game, uh, but escaped. And uh, Notre Dame got the win by three. But, man, that was a Sunday night thriller in college football. And uh, we have a game Monday night, too, that we'll break down later in the show. But underdogs, 46-34-4 against the spread with 19 outright upsets through the weekend. Under the total, 52-31. and And uh, the notable upsets, how about Montana, a 22-point dog, and takes down Washington 13-7. to
5: uh, A team that a lot of people thought was maybe the best in the Pac-12, right, was going to win yeah. that conference. And just an anemic offensive performance. How about that throwing? I think around 40 times uh, the Washington Huskies did and get nothing through the air. I-, I was really surprised. Like, there's They got a few n- interceptions. Yep. <laughs> they threw a few. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, there's not showing anything, and then there's what Washington did. Mm. But I think that's the most notable one given that that's a Power 5 conference contender going down as a 22-point favorite outright. Yeah,
4: as you know, I did the Pac-12 previews yep. for the v College Football Betting Guide, and um, I was not sold on Washington. I, I thought a lot of people were wrong about this team. I know Phil Steele had Washington as one of the most improved teams in the nation. I just didn't see it. Uh, I questioned Jimmy Lake as a coach and the quarterback play, and I might have got that one right. So Montana, Montana a 22-point dog, pulls it out. Another big dog, East Tennessee getting 21, takes down Vandy. I don't think it's ever stunning when Vandy loses. Northern Illinois, a 19-point dog, takes down Georgia Tech. And how about Utah State out of the Mountain West? That's right. A 17-point dog wins at Washington State.
5: So I, I wrote up the Mountain West, and I, I pegged Utah State as a team that, as the year went along that they were going to get better, right? Uh, this is a team that uh, name escapes me, coming from Arkansas State head coach, taking over the program, right? He brought in Logan Bonner as his quarterback. You expected that this team was going to get better as the year gone along, but sure enough, they pulled the upset over Washington State. Is a really good win for Utah State and actually a generally good day for the Mountain West. Like it was mm-hmm. the Mountain West looked like a pretty impressive conference, but and of course, we're talking about upsets. They didn't even count the teams that were flirting, right? In Northern, I, Northern Iowa, in that game against Iowa State, yeah. you have the matchup uh, with Tulane against Oklahoma. There are a lot of
4: dogs that were flirting with some outright wins. Yeah, some big favorites yeah. almost fell Oklahoma, Mississippi State, Iowa State. Other favorites have fell. How about North Carolina? Yep. a six point favorite against Virginia Tech, Wisconsin laying five and a half to Penn State, and uh, Illinois. Uh, the Big Ten, a five-point favorite over Texas San Antonio. I don't think anyone was shocked to see Illinois go down in that game. A lot of sharp money on the UTSA Roadrunners in that one. So I think when you look at the first weekend, you say Alabama is head and shoulders above everyone else, and you have to wonder a little bit about Clemson, Oklahoma, et cetera. Uh, we'll talk about all that and more with uh, Brent Musburger coming up, coming up here in a minute. Uh, this is v My Guys in the Desert. V.C. the Sports Betting Network and my guys in the desert and one of the uh, legendary voices of college football joins us now, Brent Musburger. And uh, Brent, how did you enjoy the first full weekend of uh, college football action?
6: When one of my best friends engineers one of the all-time great upsets, (laughs) you know I loved it. Bobby Houck and I go way back. In fact, uh, guys, Bobby Houck used to... Paint my father's fence back in the day in Big Timber when we uh, when we owned a ranch up there in Montana. And it was sort of interesting because you mentioned Phil Steele. Not only did he have Washington as number one, the most surprising team of the year, he had Wisconsin number two. Uh, listen, mm. I hope his surprises do a lot better down the road. <laughs> you know what I mean?
4: That's not a good start <laughs> for the, uh, the I think his two most improved teams or two most surprising teams. Yeah. Uh, so Brent, I know you like Bama and you liked Ohio State going into the season. When you look at the elite teams after the first weekend, and you never want to overreact, but it's worth analyzing what's happened here in the first week because Clemson's offense was uh, non existent. Oklahoma was lucky to get by Tulane and Norman. And then, uh, you know, Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown in that victory over Clemson. Ohio State. I think did what it had to do as a two-touchdown favorite to win by two touchdowns in a true road game at Minnesota. And Alabama just looks, again, head and shoulders above the rest. Do you agree?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything uh, that you've said. And uh, it's obviously too early to say these are the four teams we think are going to make it. But clearly, you can put Alabama in. I don't think there's any question about that. I uh, I watched Georgia. And it was a very impressive defensive performance. Of course, you don't know in college in Game 1 just how weak the Clemson offensive line might be. But there was pressure on almost every snap uh, exerted by the darts So I think the darts uh, have a very good chance. We can wind up with two. Listen, it's not out of the realm of possibility that three teams from the FCC are going to make a move on that four. I don't think we can overlook Texas A&M yet. We'll have to see. What happens down the road, and and listen, I was really happy for UCLA and the Pac-12. Uh, I, you know, I've said all along that four is not enough; that the champions of the Big Five need to be in the playoff, and I'd like to see UCLA uh, represent the Pac-12. Going back one one time, and this is this is an alert for betters, okay? And you and Jonathan can tell me what the number is right now on uh, Washington, Michigan. But I will tell you right now that that was one of those spots. Montana caught Washington peeking ahead uh, to the Wolverines and took advantage of it. It was a very dismal performance by the Huskies. Clearly, they had not. And I I certainly include the coaching staff on this, first and foremost. They looked past the Grizz, and they looked right down the road at the Wolverines, who they're getting ready to play. And if that number swells because of what happened, and sometimes – Uh, What occurs recent remember the the biggest improvement that any team in college football ever ever shows is from game one to game two that's that has been true year after year so when when that school that little school has to take on Alabama next week beware buddy beware because Mm -hmm. it's going to be a crimson tide team uh, ready to roll this is the point of the season also where I remind betters. yes I love Alabama but I bet them in the first half because Nick will be calling the dogs off and uh, and using the rest of his team in the second half. But if you catch a big number, a big number on the Huskies, they are obviously they're much better than uh, than what they showed. The quarterback had a dismal day throwing throwing three interceptions. But I blame the coaching staff first and foremost for what happened. They just didn't focus the kids on uh, on the Grizz on the Griz at all. But when you look around, I think Ohio State. You know, Matt. I've told you before. I like the Buckeyes uh, coming into the season. Uh, It's going to be very interesting. The game of next week is clearly a big noon on Fox, and that'll be Oregon going into Columbus to take on Ohio State. I hope that that Oregon defensive lineman, the defensive end who's ranked so highly, is able to go because that'll really hurt their defense against the Buckeyes if he's out for an extended period.
5: Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau looks like uh, the quote is Brent coming out of Oregon that he is progressing nicely. So we'll see if he's going to be ready to go. But uh, uh, a big blow if he can't go. And I'll as an update to you really quickly Michigan's up to a six and a half point favorite to one spot uh, over Washington for that matchup next week. So it's getting up there because that opened up quite lower over if. Uh, Uh, circa yesterday so I want to ask you as we look around everything I think the one thing that stuck out to me over the weekend the the state of the ACC right we see Clemson offensively really struggle we see North Carolina go down to Virginia Tech Miami has absolutely nothing against Alabama Clemson deserves still to be the favorite in that uh, in that league and they're going to get better as the year goes along but it seems like they're just going to win this thing by default I mean the way that North Carolina and Miami both looked two teams that were supposed to at least kind of push and challenge them maybe in that title game looked absolutely awful
6: well, uh, and again, North Carolina is a little, not quite as extreme, obviously, as Washington. Uh, but I will tell you guys, having done a lot of games in Blacksburg, you've got to be careful when you're going there. If if Virginia Tech has a good defense and they played well defensively, uh, and remember there was too much hype about North Carolina and how it was going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, clearly the Tar Heels were reading their their press clippings. So I wouldn't really give up on them just yet, even though that was a dismal performance. And the same goes for Clemson. Let's see what, uh, what happens here in the next few games. Uh, Pittsburgh's got an interesting game next week. I think they go to Tennessee. And clearly the ACC had a real bad week, although they did provide us with the most entertaining game of the week. Uh, Florida State, Notre Dame. Uh, that was just great television and uh, a wonderful, wonderful story about the young man who, who blew out his knee to an extreme uh, condition at Central Florida a couple of years ago. I'm coming back in and almost beating the Irish. Uh, the the one thing we, we learned about the Irish is that Coach Kelly doesn't know how to tell a joke. Uh, I, I, I was watching... I was watching at the end of the game. My wife, Arlene, was with me, and he got in and he told that old joke that coaches have used forever about we couldn't execute it. Maybe our players should all be executed. But he just didn't know how to tell it. And Arlene looked at me and she said, what's he talking about? You know, so if, if, if you don't tell a joke, it was not the appropriate time. That's a banquet circuit joke. So, uh, But it was a very entertaining football game. And it uh, looks to me like the Knowles are going to be a little bit approved. Uh, going forward, you know, they've always got talent. Anybody in the state of Florida who says, I went to high school for four years, they could get into Tallahassee guys. Trust me. Okay. I was around some of the Bobby Bowden recruiting classes. So, so we'll see what, uh, I don't think Miami's well coached. I've never thought that he's a head coach. And, uh, and I think he showed it again, but I think too early to count out the ACC and too early Brown UCLA, as a king of the Pac-12, we need, we need just a little more time.
4: Yeah, that is uh, true. By the way, Brian Kelly kind of butchered his del- uh, delivery on that old uh, John McKay quote last night. And I said, as soon as <laughs> he said it, I said, man, Kelly's going to get in hot water for this. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think he should, but that's the way people no. react now. And uh, of you, you could tell what the reaction was going to be to that last night. <laughs> but um, also, Brent, I wanted to mention, I was at one of your favorite spots Saturday night at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to watch UCLA take down LSU. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's too early to uh, crown US, uh, UCLA in the Pac-12. you got USC, Utah, Oregon still to deal with there. But what about LSU? What do you make of uh, the decline in the Tigers, who are now, uh, what, five and six since winning that national championship in 2019?
6: Yeah, it was a disappointing opening. But... But again, like Washington, peeking ahead, uh, I think LSU had trouble behind, okay? Anytime you have a major hurricane story that forces you right. to leave your, your city, like they had to get out of Baton Rouge and get over to Houston, uh, and even Chip Kelly, uh, you were at the Rose Bowl, Chip Kelly immediately said it uh, on the broadcast when he was interviewed, leaving the field, Matt. So I'm I'm not going to count them out uh quite yet okay because they're dealing with so much and speaking of betting i mentioned washington going ahead now let me refer to the nfl keep an eye on the new orleans saints they got forced out of town they went to dallas to practice now they're going to go all the way to jacksonville kind of interesting as to why they chose jacksonville they had their choice of any of the three locations in Florida. They could not use Dallas because there's a concert in there on Saturday night. They chose Jacksonville because they believe it's the toughest location for Green Bay Packer fans to get to. And they looked at the stats and saw that the Packers do not do well in humidity and believe it or not, but Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, does not have a good record overall. When he competes down in the state of Florida, so it's the little things the Saints are adding up to. But I'm saying, wait a minute, you got a major distraction you've got to deal with, okay? And I saw the number; I believe it was four. The Packers favored. Um, I, I would keep an eye on that because Jameis Winston is fully capable of throwing three touchdowns and four interceptions in that game, as we all, as we all know. So I'm not, I'm not walking away for the Packers, despite the reason that New Orleans wants to play them in the humidity. Keep an eye on the weather. See what it is in Jacksonville. See what can happen in there with that game. Uh, but it is a betting a factor that I'm not throwing out out of hand this, uh, this coming week.
5: Brent Musburger with us. All right, Brent. So let's talk about your guys then, because uh, I find myself intrigued by the Las Vegas Raiders in this spot on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. I think it's being underreported. The fact that there are some question marks along the interior of the offensive line for Baltimore Wide receiving core is pretty thin. Uh, I think the Raiders might be pretty alive with that four and a half. What do you make of the matchup?
6: I think it is a perfect time to be playing the Ravens, Jonathan, to your point. Okay. And if you believe it, like I do, and I will have the Raiders in the contest uh, at Circle, uh, obviously go for it. Uh, the loss of Dobbins is huge. Uh, Bateman, the Ravens' top draft choice, is not able to play. Uh, their best blocking tight end is questionable. And yes, there are question marks about the line. Now, having said that, having said that, and for people who say, ah, I'm not so sure, right, there are reasons to be careful going forward. With the, We have to prove, we being the Raiders, that we could tackle somebody, okay? I mean, the defense gave up 29 points. They have to keep, the linebackers have to keep Lamar Jackson in front of them. If they let Lamar run wild, remember the Ravens, still have Gus Edwards. They had a youngster by the name of Williams, who is out of BYU, I believe, who ran very well in the preseason. So they're still coming with a good running attack. And John Harbaugh's team has always been tough defensively, okay? And we have a very young offensive line. Yes, I do like the four and a half. But whenever I talk about the Raiders, I tell Maddie this. Remember, I'm I'm tremendously biased, but I'm headed in that direction, <laughs> Jonathan. Okay, <laughs> and we'll see what happens.
4: That's Brent Musburger, voice of the Raiders. I had a sense he was going to like the home dog on Monday night. He likes dogs, home dogs. Me too. That's why I anyway, ask, cause I like yeah, the Raiders. I, I
5: want uh, I want some
4: positive reinforcement. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, uh, before we talk about the Thursday night opener, which football contest did you enter in Las Vegas? Are you back in the Westgate? A super contest? Are you in the Circa Millions and Survivor?
6: I'm I'm right now. I'm in the I'm in the Circa. Okay, that's that's the one that I I walked away. I full disclosure because you know, Matty, we've laughed about it over and over. Uh, because I got KO'd in the first week, I didn't go back on the survivor, you right, know? Right. You know, I play, and I'm blaming Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm blaming Jonathan Von Tobel. I bought into his favorite football team, uh. the Indianapolis Colts, in week one. They go down to Jacksonville, and the Jaguars win their only game of the season. Jonathan, <laughs> that's on you. <laughs>
4: Yeah, uh, JVT, you got to take the blame for that. I'll tell you, you hyped up fun. the Colts, and they fell flat as road favorites. <laughs> I think I was one. down on the Colts right. last year, but that's fine. They actually uh, let a lot of people down yeah, yeah. Last, last year in uh, week one, that loss to Jacksonville. All right, Brent, let's talk about Thursday night. Cowboys and Buccaneers, and Cowboys obviously have some problems. Zach Martin, Pro Bowl guard, is on the COVID list. He's not going to play. Uh, Dak Prescott didn't play in the preseason. Right now, mostly 7.5 on the board. Circa has moved to eight total of 51 and a half or 52. How do you see the NFL kickoff game on Thursday?
6: Well, obviously you've got to like the bucks, but I'm not going to touch uh, the seven and a half uh, to tell you the truth. So what I did do
4: teaser alert. Be, teaser alert.
6: Here yeah. We go. Huh? Uh, yeah. I did tease. I took the, uh, my Raiders up to 10 points on Monday night. And I took that uh, Thursday night game and I teased it up to 57 and a half and took the under I, Dak Prescott hasn't seen action in a long time. Uh, I'm not sure that if uh, the Bucks get ahead, they won't call the dogs off late in that game. I don't think there's any reason to be to be looking for a big to a big number. So I've got the under teased uh, in with the Raiders on uh, on Monday night. So that's that's how I went. As far as the contest is concerned, I I wouldn't touch it. I don't touch. Thursday night games, um, obviously, if you bet them when the season goes forward, you get down to three, four, and five weeks. I always bet the home teams on uh, on Thursday night because of that short turnaround. They don't have to travel. But pick your spots accordingly if you're going to use them.
4: Brent, we got a couple minutes left here. Uh, which NFL teams are you high on? Which teams are you looking to fade? Uh, some of the observations you made in the preseason or the season that you're looking to uh, apply to uh, your plays here in the first couple weeks.
6: Well, obviously, Houston is everybody's number 32 in the power rankings. And so the Jaguars, ordinarily, I would not take them. But in the contest, I probably will take the Jags. If it comes up minus three, I'll see if the bookies hang the half on it or not. So I like Jacksonville going into Houston because I think in the long run of the NFC, I think the Lions have a chance to be the worst team. But I do want to throw out a kind of an interesting stat, okay? Uh, And I think it was Steve McKinnon who reminded me, the editor of Point Spread Weekly, for whatever reason, the Lions are like 10-0 in the last decade in their first game of the year. Uh, I guess that's ATS. And of course, they are getting seven and a half at home against the 49ers. The public is all over the 49ers. But a reminder, the Lions win week one and then go south, guys.
4: That is true. All right, follow him on Twitter, at Brent Musburger. Listen to him call the game Monday night, Ravens and Raiders, the original host of uh, My Guys in the Desert. Brent, always great to have you on, man.
6: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Happy Labor Day.
4: (laughs) See you, man. Is it Labor Day, JVT? Sounds like it. I always work holidays. uh, Sometimes I'm not sure what... uh... No idea. It is Labor Day. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, our best bets for NFL futures. Stay tuned. From the OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino, go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now, and start winning with up to the second info you need. Visit OddsTrader.com. All right, JBT. we talked with uh, Brent Musburger about his outlook on the NFL. Let's get our top futures plays on record here, and we've talked about these on uh, several shows in past weeks. Let's round them all up and go through them, and uh, I think you and I have... One common play. Actually, we've got two. I didn't put this one on my list. I actually forgot that I bet the Vikings to win NFC North at plus 350. I was going through the
5: apps and, like, finding everything. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I had that one. Yeah,
4: Yeah, I bet that one in May. uh, Vikings plus 350 to win the NFC North. So that's not on my list. But you and I both bet the Patriots to make the playoffs. At plus 125. What else do you have here? Yeah, so uh, this is tied into that division as well,
5: and the division I wrote up, so it kind of helps with the research. But uh, Patriots to make the playoffs, plus 125, Dolphins to miss the playoffs at minus 130. I think when you're asking a team that led the league in turnovers a year ago uh, to have that same volatility work in their favor, it's just not. And you look some of the deeper numbers with this front seven, not very good. They lost 10 sacks from a year ago. Their offensive line is not very good. Mm -hmm. I just think everything is in the cards for this Dolphins team to take a small step back, even with two as improvement, which could happen. and not make the postseason. So, Dolphins to miss, Patriots to make. You talked about the NFC North play for the Vikings. Uh, Miles Garrett to win Defensive Player of the Year. I, I like a lot here. I think this just helps when you look at Malik Jackson, Javon Clowney, along that defensive line. Now it's not just double-team Miles Garrett. He's going to be able to get more one-on-one matchups. He, if you look at him statistically over the last few years, humans, he's on the verge of having a really good breakout Aaron Donald type year, and I think this is going to be it with the Browns. So, 7-1 over at uh, William Hill and other spots. Washington to win the Super Bowl at 60-1. to one. Well, Mark-
4: well,
5: You're on board with Fits magic. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Well, I All think, right. I, look, I like uh, when you're talking about like. Um, grading or where you value positions. I think it's quarterback, it's offensive line, and it's edge rushers. And I think Washington has a front seven with those, uh, a lot of those. And so I think Washington won a Super Bowl at 6-1. I think they win this division. I think this defense is good enough to find their way through uh, an NFC playoff. And just value, I think they're down to like 40-1 to in some spots to, to win this thing. So I think that's going to be for me a good play. And what I really like here is Damian Harris to be the league's leading rusher. You know, I've talked about this a lot. Damian Harris, it looks like he's going to be the lead guy for the New England Patriots. Belichick has spoken, well, Swimmingly about him, loves what he's done. It's the best offensively, uh, one of the best offensive lines in terms of run blocking in the NFL. Sonny Michelle's not there. Cam Newton's not there. More rushing opportunities for Damian Harris, mm-hmm. and then Michael Carter to win Offensive Rookie of the Year also at 100 to one. He's going to be a big part of the Jets' offense, and he's going to have a lot of catches out of the backfield, explosive plays in a Lafleur-type offense. Running backs are pretty good. So, and by the way, I want to note, Damian Harris. That's down to like 40 to one to lead the league in rushing. So, yeah, I like the got
4: numbers it. you got there. Damian Damn. Harris 100 to one. Michael Carter 100 to one. By the way, we were talking about <laughs> North Carolina and that. Upset loss uh, to Virginia Tech over the weekend. Yeah, maybe it hurts to lose a couple of NFL running backs from your yeah. offense, and uh, the Tar Heels didn't look the same without those guys. Uh, Washington to win the Super Bowl. I'm on board with that team to win the NFC East because of, mostly because of the defense. I like Fitzpatrick too, and I think uh, they put some weapons around Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. How do you feel about the Vikings to win the NFC North? Because we made that bet thinking, yep. well, it's maybe 50 50 to Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay. Obviously don't like the bet nearly as much now that Rodgers is back with the Packers.
5: Not as much, but you're also I think I kind of like the number where we got it, right? Like cuz if you look at where it's at right now in a lot of spots, you're talking about somewhere in the range of like 275 now, maybe 3 mm-hmm. to 1. So from a price perspective, I think you have to like it. And there are things to like I think about the Vikings. You know, offensively last year, the way we saw Jefferson break out, we know how good this running game is going to be. There's certainly a universe in which the Packers aren't very good and the Vikings do enough to win a division yeah. at like 10 and 7. So I would I like the price. I think most of all plus 360, that's worth it when you are looking at the NFC North right now, and I think you get the Vikings, uh, let's see, on my screen, I've got them at, like, plus 250. So, given the price, I think I'm in.
4: Yeah, you can find five to two to three to one yep. out there on the Vikings and win that division now. All right, uh, my best bets for futures, over the summer, I played the Patriots over nine. And at the time, I really didn't care if it was going to be Cam Newton or Mac Jones, the quarterback, and I thought eventually it was going to be Mac Jones. I'm fine with the rookie starting mm-hmm. Uh, week one, I think that they can run the Tom Brady offense with him at the controls. Let's face it, he played at the highest level, was coached at the highest level in college. If there's a rookie who can step in and probably win, it's Mac Jones for Bill Belichick and uh, Josh McDaniels. Panthers over seven and a half. I'm a believer in Matt Rule and the way they're, they're rebuilding this team. They're doing it the right way through the draft and on defense, and uh, even though I'm not completely sold on Sam Darnold, uh, I think the Panthers have a schedule that sets up really well, especially the first half where they can get to uh, eight or nine wins this season, maybe be a surprise playoff team in the NFC. Also played the Raiders over seven, and the number there is key because I wouldn't necessarily play the Raiders over seven and a half. But at seven and ten, you push, and I think they got a decent chance to get to eight or nine wins with their schedule. Don't forget, AFC teams have nine home games, and Raiders have a true home field advantage this season. Jaguars under six and a half. I just can't, don't see anything that leads me to believe that team's going to leap from one and fifteen to seven wins this season. Also, played the Bears under seven and a half wins, and the Bears to miss the playoffs at minus two fifty, and the Patriots to win the Super Bowl at thirty-five to one. Might seem like a stretch, but let's roll with the Pats. Quick break. We'll talk baseball when we come back. Now is a perfect time for you to huddle up with the VSIN Pro Football Betting Guide. It's only $19.99 and available now. We have profiles of every team with advanced stats, power ratings, best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and much more. Sign up for VSIN All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at slash subscribe. And I've uh, had a lot of positive feedback from the Pro Football Betting Guide. This is cool. a good week to uh, read up on everything. <laughs> and. Um, Get your futures bets in before Thursday night's uh, kickoff game between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Let's talk baseball right now. How about the San Francisco Giants? They lose the division lead, but then they come back and take two or three from the Dodgers. And not only that, they bomb Walker Bueller last night for six runs and three innings. And the Giants regain the division lead, up by one now with, uh, what, 25 games to go, JBT.
5: Yeah, and I'll double check to make sure I have this right, but I I do believe that ever so slightly going forward, the Giants do have uh, the harder strength of schedule because that's their
4: last matchup uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Also should mention they beat the Dodgers in the season series 10-9, so that's a tiebreaker in their favor. And it doesn't matter if it comes to it. uh, Only .2 percentage
5: points separate their strength of schedule. So San Francisco 23rd, Dodgers 24th, slightly easier schedule. Ten games left for San Francisco, by the way against the Padres. So that's going to be quite the challenge for them as they move forward. But you look at it, you have nine games left against Arizona and Colorado. So it's a big win for them. I just think this Giants team, we talked about this when we played them. They played last, right, in their series. It was the check swing game, right, throwing errors, all these things that oddly go wrong for Los Angeles when they play the Giants. And that popped up again in this series. The Giants just have Los Angeles number. And this is pretty good for them to have this head to head series in their favor. And now they move forward. I like this Giants team. And there's something about a team that's just quality, right? They're just consistent. They're going to Keep going, and you, what they're getting out of their pitching staff, and what Kepler's been able to do, has
4: been rock solid, man. It's been a good year for Gabe Kepler, and uh, you couldn't it. you could not say that one year ago no. at this time. But the uh, by the way, both teams winning right now. Labor yep. Day, we have a lot of baseball games in progress. The Giants up on the Rockies, 4-1, to top. That's uh, bottom of the fourth in Colorado. And the uh, Dodgers lead the Cardinals 5-0, top of the fifth in St. Louis. So both teams at the top of the West are winning as we speak. How about the Phillies and Mets? And uh, those two teams are making a push. On my Braves in the National League East, and the Phillies are your team. I've got the Braves at plus one seventy-five. I think I bet in the middle of the summer. You bet the Phillies are a good number. Uh, the Braves had a two-game lead on the Phillies, and the Mets were closing fast going into today.
5: Yeah, the thing is, so with Philadelphia, what's agonizing is you know they, they just can't lose these series against these bad teams, right? You know, yesterday they they take the last one of their series against Miami, but they had lost the first two. Now, luckily, Atlanta had lost. You know, they split a four-game set with Colorado up there in Coors, so that kind of helps them out. Right. But with Philadelphia, the, the agonizing thing about what they've been doing is they just lose to bad teams. But here we go. Yesterday, they get an extra innings win over Miami, and then sure enough, we all expected them to just pounce all over Milwaukee. 12 nothing uh, is what they're up. Actually, no, yeah, that's over. So, And it's a bad spot for the Brewers after their comeback win over St. Louis. But uh, Philadelphia, they just it, it's been agonizing to watch them not take advantage of the schedule, which is the main reason why I bet them. They should have been able to take advantage.
4: Well, the, of the thing that really hurt the Phillies, that had to be painful for you to watch them get swept by the Diamondbacks in Arizona a couple weeks ago. I'll, t- I'll tell you, William the, Day after um, I bet them to win the division. <laughs> William Hill, the veteran handicapper. Mm-hmm. I know he's hurting right now. His Yankees just dropped two games to the Orioles to yep. lose a weekend series in the Bronx. And right now, the Yankees, it's over. 8 nothing losers to the Toronto Blue Jays in the opening game of a, another home series. So it's three bad losses in a row for the Yankees.
5: And, and yesterday's especially brutal, right? Because I was filling in over the weekend on the Green Zone, so I was watching that one in depth, and when you saw that, hey, you get a two-run shot from Gary Sanchez, you pad the lead over Baltimore, It looks like maybe you can coast down to the end. They bring in Andrew Heaney out of the bullpen, oh boy, and stop. Heaney, he is, it's not working out for him. That sucks, because there are some things I think they liked about Heaney, but it's not working out for him as a Yankee. He comes in, gets yanked after just getting one out and, get, and coughs up the lead. The bullpen hasn't been great for the Yankees. It, it's, it goes all the way down, too. It's not just Heaney, right? Or Chapman hasn't been awesome. Like, they have some question marks in the depth when they're getting to their relievers. And you can't lose games like this, of course. So, And at one point, looked like they were going to maybe push the Tampa Bay Rays. We were talking about how does that last series go? Are you going to push for that? Nope, probably not. Now you're down eight There, you lost eight nothing. Uh, that's
4: brutal. It's a brutal stretch of games for New York. You know what? There's something wrong when I know how to manage the Yankees' pitching staff better than Aaron Boone. Yeah, I talked about this last week on the show. You can't use Andrew Haney in relief. Yeah, Can't do it. And he brought him in in Anaheim to face his former team, got rocked. Brought him in yesterday out of the bullpen, gave up four runs on a third of an inning. You have to know how to use your personnel. You cannot use that guy out of the pen. He's not used to being a relief pitcher, and he he just doesn't know how to throw in the roll. All right, so the Yankees – Yankees uh, headed the wrong way right now, but the Blue Jays if you bet them today at a nice plus price. how about that plus 128 today Rocking chair win eight nothing for the Blue Jays over the Yankees. Uh, we talked about the Mets. They fell today, JBT 4-3 to three to the Nationals. And uh, the Mets have been playing much better baseball, though, recently.
5: Yeah, it's just that when you dig yourself in a hole like they did last month, right, where you're playing just subpar baseball, you know, you run out of real estate at some point to get back into this thing, whether it's going to be the division, uh, whether it's going to be a National League wild-card race that has become extremely crowded with St. Louis, like barging their way into this thing over the last couple of weeks. So I think this is a talented Mets team. Uh, there's a reason why they had a division lead at one point. But at some point, you just run out of real estate to catch the teams in front of you. I think we're kind of there for New York.
4: Yeah, the Mets are at 69-69 and 69 after today's loss, but they have won seven of the uh, past ten. Also wanted to mention uh, the game in progress right now in Boston. It's a wild one, too. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays up on the Red Sox, 10-9 in the top of the 10th. Now it's 11-9. Uh, top of the 10th, one out, runner on second, Rays lead by two over the Red Sox.
5: I'll take this. I got that Tampa Bay Rays ticket to win the AL East at uh, plus 275. Second, pretty good. Uh, but I think the the story for this, how, so the Red Sox up nine to eight humans, uh, but they allow Austin Meadows to score on an inside the park home run to tie this game up at nine. And then they go to extras here. How did that <laughs> and, happen? Uh, that's, it, it was, did you uh, it see was,
4: the inside the park home
5: Yeah, so it was off the wall. and In uh, center? It, the, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. It gets hit off the wall. It gets fielded. But then then at the cutoff, man, he fumbles it and he can't pick it up. And so Meadows just goes trucking around the bases and reaches home safely. Uh, and that's the way they tied it up. And then sure enough, Cruz, single to right, Rosarena scores. Uh, this is uh, pretty good. This is why the Rays are good, though, man. Like this this lineup is timely uh-huh. hitting. They're deep. They're really freaking good. And they have great pitching. And sure enough, they win here. Or it looks like they're going to win here 11-9, to 9, but plenty of time.
4: All right. The Reds trying to get a wild card in the National League, but uh, they're going the wrong way as well. Yep. Cubs beat the Reds 4-3 today at Wrigley Field. Also finals, uh, Pirates 6-3 over the Tigers and uh, Royals 3-2 over the Orioles. Uh, Dave Coken, Mr. Baseball, handicapper from Las Vegas, uh, was on the Royals today and he called it, you don't hear this too often. But he called it a letdown spot. You don't hear that too often in baseball. Yeah. But after those two big wins for Baltimore and the Bronx, it was a letdown spot today for the Orioles at home against the Royals.
5: Yeah. Oh, well, look, we kind of saw a letdown spot for the Brewers today, too, yeah. right after that dramatic win yesterday. So I think they happen every once in a while. We should also point out we talk about losses you can't take. Cincinnati, again, losing today yeah. to a, a relatively poor team in Chicago after losing yesterday to the Detroit Tigers. So, again, those are wins. Like if you're running and you're trying to compete for these wildcard spots, you're the half game difference. Those make all the difference in the world. The Reds
4: are doing everything he can not to make the wild card. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break. Circus Sports put up college football openers on uh, Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We'll tell you which way some of the numbers are moving next.
1: work.
4: From the OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino, go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now, start winning with up to the second info you need, real-time bet tracking, live in-game odds and stats, several more features that are valuable up there at OddsTrader.com. JBT Monday Night Football. Nice. Can it be as good as Sunday Night Football between uh, Notre Dame and Florida State? Tonight is Louisville and Mississippi. It's going to be hard to top the theater we saw last night in Tallahassee. Ole Miss down to a eight-and-a-half or nine-point favorite, total 74-and-a-half. And I think some of the movement has to do with uh, Lane Kiffin not going to be on the sideline tonight for the Rebels.
5: Yeah, no Lane Kiffin, so what this offense looks like from a play-calling perspective will be pretty interesting. I think it does help, though, right, that uh, I think, was it Friday that the news came down? Mm -hmm. uh, Friday or Saturday the news came down. So they've had a couple of days to implement the game plan and all the situations. So I would think that from that standpoint, there's not that much of a drop-off. So it's interesting to see this market reaction. Like, is Lane Kiffin worth a point and a half because he's not going to be there? Uh, I would say no, especially when you have the talent, Matt Corral, and that offense, it's got a really high ceiling offensively. And on the other end, are the turnover problems fixed for Louisville? Like, that was their biggest issue last year, uh, and I don't know if that is going to be the case going forward. So uh, I had a slight lean toward Ole Miss, but uh, sitting at like 8.5 or something like that, now it's something worth playing. If it got like 7.5, I think that would be in, but nothing for me.
4: Yeah, it was up to ten and a half Uh, at one point. uh, I like Ole Miss in this game tonight, but I did not lay the points. I do have Ole Miss on a – Why
5: don't you tease it and then tease the total I've played under?
4: (laughs) I don't tease college football, Uh but I I did put Ole Miss on a money line parlay to close one out. Uh, Had a no-sweat winner with Notre Dame on the other half of that last (laughs) night. No sweat. None whatsoever.
5: Just like I had no sweat on that Alabama-Miami total.
4: (laughs) All right, Circa Sports is doing a great job putting up college football opening lines. Uh, Sunday morning you can fire at those numbers, but you have to be ready at 11 o'clock when they go up because they're going to move fast. Got a lot of sharp guys looking to take shots at the uh, Circa Oddsmakers. I think one game that jumps out on the board is uh, Colorado State hosting Vandy. And Colorado State just lost to South Dakota State. And uh, I have to give credit to Big Randy McKay, who predicted that upset before the weekend. Really? He said yeah, he said South Dakota State would take down the Rams of the Mountain West, but Vanderbilt lost as a, a twenty-one point favorite, yeah, right? 21-22, I
5: thought
4: twenty-one yeah. point favorite to East Tennessee, and now Vandy visits Fort Collins. The line opened Colorado State one; it is now Colorado State seven. Do you agree with the move?
5: Uh, no. I, I think I've not been a big fan of Steve in uh, now, especially since he's come here to Colorado State. Last year was a nightmare for me. Yes, it was a COVID year, but they were not good offensively in any way whatsoever. You saw it again in this matchup against South Dakota State. 13 of their points came in the fourth quarter. In the first three, they were absolutely lifeless. You saw two quarterbacks play, Santeo and Elias. I just don't like this team offensively in any way, shape, or form. And I just don't know if I'm going to trust them to cover a full touchdown here. They're poorly coached. They're poor offensively. I think you kind of like their front seven, but uh, this to me is a complete overreaction to, I think, Vanderbilt
4: losing the way that they did. It's not like Colorado State looked that much better against South Dakota State. No, that's true. Vandy scored three points and that lost to uh, East Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I I can see why you would lay one with Colorado State. I'm not going to lay seven. Uh, But also, at the same time, Clark Lee, the former Notre Dame defensive coordinator, He's going to get things turned in a better direction of Vandy. It's too much to expect it to happen in week one. And a lot of times you see the most improvement you know Brent set up mm-hmm. and teams from week one to week two or week one to week three. I would expect Vanderbilt to play much better this week. At 7, I might look at the dog, but I'll tell you what's easier to do is not bet the game because right. I don't want to bet Vandy. You want to sweat out Vandy, <laughs> I Colorado don't, State. Don't to do, I had a, a friend trying to sell me on the Vandy win total before the season. He said, look at the schedule. you got to bet Vandy over this low win total. Mm-hmm. I said... And he's counting out the wins on the schedule. I said, I, I don't know if any of those are guaranteed wins for Vandy. You know, we're talking about Vanderbilt football. Okay? <laughs> right. I'm not betting over the win total. I
5: got to anyway. say this, too, really quickly, because I think sometimes <clears throat> when you see these upsets, humans, like, it's like one facet of the ball that really struggled, right? Like, so, for example, Washington, their offense was awful, but at least defensively, they kept themselves in it throughout the entire game. Yeah. Colorado State, in this matchup against South Dakota State, gave them 7.1 yards per attempt, eight yards per attempt through the air, and offensively were bad. Like, they were awful in all facets of the game. Yeah. So now this team is up six points to a seven-point favorite. Like, yeah, no, no shot, no, thank you.
4: All right, how about Western Kentucky and Army? Open Army minus three, now up to Army six and a half. Also, South Carolina, East Carolina. Open Gamecocks minus two, and the favorite has flipped to Pirates minus two. Anything you see in those two games?
5: No, I think uh, I think the one that kind of sticks out a little bit is the fact that Army uh, was a, not a big surprise, but the fact that they pulled you know forty-three to ten the way that they beat Georgia State. There was a I can't remember what was the number. I think uh, really short within a field goal. But regardless, it, it was yeah two and a half. Thank you. So that was uh, I think a surprising performance for how good Army looked. So I'm not surprised to see the direction in which that has moved. But maybe it's uh, when you're looking at something like this is Do you want to play strongly on some of the things that you saw in week one? Right, Because sometimes it's just an aberration as you move forward, both losses and wins. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why that number was as short as it was against Georgia State. So I'm interested that the market is moving that strongly
4: in favor of Army. Yeah, that's the thing about week one, college football, NFL, not everything is an overreaction. There are some right reactions, yeah. uh, but there are some overreactions as well. I think Notre Dame going to be an interesting uh, case in point for that. Irish defense allowed 442 total yards last night, including 264 on the ground. Yep. But Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, I thought was making repeated mistakes all night using three-man fronts when it was obvious Florida State could only move the ball for a while by running. And it, it seemed like a simplistic offensive stop. Notre Dame's got to fix some of those defensive issues. Uh, Freeman's first-year defensive coordinator, by the way. I, I said replace Clark Lee, who uh, went to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. But this number opened Notre Dame 20. I think it's understandable that it's now down to Notre Dame 16-and-a-half. I did like a lot of what I saw from the Irish offensively last night. Jack Cohn was in better control of the offense uh, than I thought he might be. He is not very mobile, and he was taking too many sacks and missing some reads on third down. Uh, The fact that you couldn't convert on a first-and-five late in the game was embarrassing, but Notre Dame's got some big-time playmakers. They really do. Michael Mayer, the tight end, had two big drops. Kevin Austin, wide receiver, is a big-time player. And Kyron Williams was a a factor in the passing game, but not much of one in the running game last night. Notre Dame had 65 rushing yards on 35 attempts. I think the number of 17-and-a-half that was out there this morning, I would have looked at Toledo. Uh, but now under 17, I, I think I would pass. But anyway, that number's down three and a half points from the circuit opener. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I think Toledo's got some good weapons offensively, so I can understand
5: why you're moving off of that, right? You know, the running game looked really solid. And it's Norfolk State, but still. I think you like to see in week one, humans, especially against lesser competition, like if, you're, if your strengths are out there, right? If you're using your strengths and they're thriving, like UCLA against Hawaii in, in week zero, you know, it was a lesser opponent, but you like to see that the running game was working right. very well. You like to see that the pass rush, Uh, was on top of it, and sure enough, those things came to fruition against LSU. So I think that's, when you look at a team like Toledo, I can understand the market move to an extent because, you know, big plays necessarily don't happen game to game, but if that's going to be an issue, which was Notre Dame's issue last night, then you can see a a skilled offense like Toledo staying within a number like that.
4: And the Rockets do have uh, a couple of really good offensive players. Carter Bradley, the quarterback, and uh, Bryant Kobach, a running back, like you said, you can't take much away from a 49-10 win over Norfolk State. But I think Toledo is still one of the top teams in the MAC. 17.5, uh, I think, might be a buy there. But that number down to 16.5 at Circa. Not too often are you going to hear someone say, I love Temple uh, this season. But Temple facing Akron this yeah. week. Al's open minus three, now up to minus seven, and that's after Akron was bombed by Auburn 60-10. to 10.
5: And Temple was bombed themselves by Rutgers, right, right, right? Just absolutely demolished, but I think if we're talking about which program is worse off moving forward, I think it's definitely Akron. And there are a few things to like about Temple um, going forward, and I think Rutgers, I think we just saw, Rutgers is a quality team this year. They got good stuff along the trench both offensively and defensively, quality running game. Uh, they're going to be a handful to deal with. So Temple, and by the way, too, it was just a bad matchup. Temple was rebuilding their defensively line, a lot of transfers along that defensive line, taking on an offensive line that had a lot of continuity coming back in a backfield that was stacked with returning talent, too. So I thought it was just a bad matchup for Temple,
4: and that played out. So I, I'm not surprised to see this move in that direction. Our buddy uh, Chad Andrus, a V-Sync contributor, was all over Rutgers in that game. Yeah. It was one of his uh, – he had several matches on Rutgers the yeah. rocking chair game. North Texas SMU opened Mustangs 25-and-a-half down to – Twenty-two. The uh, do we call this the game of the week? Oregon and Ohio State.
5: Yeah, I think so. I, I, given the schedule, I mean the Cyhawk Hawk game is also one that's probably
4: up there, right? Iowa State and Iowa. Iowa, Iowa State. Maybe yeah. maybe lost a little bit of luster after <laughs> the Cyclones barely got by Northern Iowa, right? But still, uh, you know, that's just, that's just one game, a week one game. We've seen Iowa State struggle early in the season, oh, yeah. including last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Oregon Ohio State to me is more intriguing because you have. Of the top teams in the Pac 12 on the road, catching two touchdowns uh, against Ohio State. And uh, I know there was some speculation. I wanted to bring this up because one Vegas odds maker said uh, Sunday morning before Circa opened that he was thinking about making Ohio State as high as 17. Wow. Uh, circa opened 14, went back to 13 and a half. It's mostly 14s out there. If Kayvon Thibodeau can play for the Ducks, Uh, he's their best defensive player, maybe the best player on the team. I I would probably look to take 14 with uh, Oregon. Yeah. If he doesn't play, I'll probably pass. Do you think he makes that? See, I think he demands extra attention, double teams. He makes a big difference for that defense. And with Ohio State's offensive weapons, you need everything you can have. Uh, on board to handle them. Uh, I'm thinking about the dog here. I have not played it yet. Yeah, Thibodeau's massive, because look, so go
5: back to the Minnesota game, right? Minnesota had one tackle for loss. Like, that front seven did nothing behind the line of scrimmage, and if you go, let's go back to last year, like, one game in which Ohio State struggled. Actually, there were two, but Indiana pressured Justin Fields a lot, got back there. It was the same thing in the Northwestern game, so I think when Mm -hmm. you look at this, if you have to have Thibodeau out there, because if he can pressure Stroud, if he can get him into some of those mistakes, create havoc in the backfield for that running game, it's going to be massive, but Stroud was Insanely comfortable. And the way Ryan Day can scheme up those receivers, like, it's going to be a problem if that's going to be the case. Oh,
4: you're right. If you can't pressure the quarterback against the Buckeyes without receiving, that's the best receiving core in the country, I yep. think uh stroud's going to be able to pick his uh, threats downfield targets downfield and tear him apart you said uh, there was some optimism that Thibodeau was going to play for the ducks it sounds like it just a he has an ankle injury yeah sprain and it sounds like
5: he's trending forward and by the way i want to say the game i'm really looking forward to uh, i liked the spot for texas but ultimately got greedy never got in game there was low as six and a half against louisiana market might be getting a little strong if we get to seven against arkansas i think razorbacks might be pretty live there if you get a full touchdown
4: Yeah, that's one of the games I wrote up for Point Spread Weekly this week. I did not take a side, but um, the home dog, I think uh, you're right, might be worth a look if it's at seven. Right now it's at six. I thought you were going to say the game you were most looking forward to was uh, Vanderbilt-Colorado State. No, no, UNLV-Arizona State, come on. All right, back with uh, hour number two, my guys in the desert next.
1: work.